0: you're listening
1: to the talk show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes we're going to be talking about all things gin. I'm joined by my fellow presenter Jane Payton who is not only one of the UK's leading experts on beer and cider, she knows a lot about gin which is just as well. We are actually going to speak to Stephen Russell of Copper Rivet Distillery uh, in a minute because I went round their um, lovely distillery in Chatham Dockyard. I know you've been there, haven't you? Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely. It's just, and the gin's I great drink. as well. Great yeah. place. So, so what Stephen did is he, t- he took me all the way from uh, the grain coming in through the door all the way up to the point where they had the botanicals. I didn't taste it while I was there because you're going to do me a tutored gin tasting today. Can't
2: wait I and look
1: what we've got in front of us on this table. So exciting. I thought it would be good in the first instance. So we've got five uh, gins to taste here, all from Kent, which I thought would, you know, because we're studios in Kent, we should do the local stuff. Quite a lot to choose from in Kent, actually. So I thought we'd, we'd um, you could, you could, Take me through those, you know, what we should be looking for, whether you can taste botanicals and what difference it makes and the different styles of gin be really helpful. But first off, shall we just listen to Stephen, who's going to explain to me how it's all made? Mm, Yes. Hi there. Today, as part of the Julia George Show, um, unfortunately, I've had to make the trip all the way to the Copper Rivet Distillery um, here in Chatham Dockyard. And I'm going to learn all about how to make gin. I'm joined by Stephen Russell um, because he runs this amazing place and he's going to tell me all about how to make gin. Um, Stephen, first thing that strikes me, this is huge. I thought it'd be much smaller than this.
0: Yeah, it certainly has the, the appearance of being uh, rather large. Um, it's a, a, an old Victorian pump house, uh, so needed to be a big building in its day. And we've found a great use for it as a, as a craft distillery. The building gives us Uh, exactly what we need to do the entire process from farm to grain uh, all the way through to spirit and to glass all in one room and um, it's quite unusual actually to be able to see every step of the process right here in one room
1: first of all we've got a huge big door out the back here and a massive grain hopper it's absolutely huge Um, so presumably then we get local grain Um, And that goes into the big grain hopper, and that's the beginning of the process. So so where
0: do you get the grain from, and what grains do you use? grain comes from about seven and a half miles away from the distillery, um, which we think probably gives us some of the lowest food miles uh, in the industry, actually. Um, They're grown uh, predominantly on the Isle of Sheppey, and we use wheat, barley, and rye.
1: There's a big sort of piece of kit over there, I guess that's stainless steel, will you take me up there and tell me what's going on there? Um, I'm I'm up a bit higher now, I've just gone up some steps, Stephen give me a quick lesson on on the gin making.
0: Sure, so first step uh, we we get grain in through that giant door uh, that you mentioned, it goes into our hopper, then we have to mill it into what's called grist, the piece of equipment that you called a mash tun, and what happens is that we add the um, grain into the mash tun and then we um, add hot water and we mix those together for about four hours. Um, after four hours, we have a, a consistency which is like a very liquid porridge. So, that, so then what we need to do is pass that um, uh, li- um, liquidy porridge into the next uh, vessel, which looks rather similar but has a very different function. It's called a lauter basically a giant sieve. And what we're going to do is we're going to extract uh, what has become sugary water or we call wort uh, from the residual grains uh, that are left and the husks that are left uh, so that we can then use that sugary water or wort uh, and turn it into alcohol later
1: and at this point there's there's, there's no sort of alcohol uh, coming out of it it's just this this sort of rather frothy porridgey uh, consistency. Um, so the next stage, once it's been filtered, is, is to then turn that into alcohol.
0: That's exactly right. We're, we're going to take that sugary water and we're going to put, put it into um, rather large 6,000 litre fermenters. We're going to add um, uh, yeast to, to that water and the yeast is going to act on the sugar and turn that sugar in, into alcohol. We'll get to about nine percent alcohol by volume uh, so a beer we call it distiller's beer you wouldn't want to drink it you know everybody will know you know gin is normally around 40 41 sometimes 37 percent so we need to turn that beer um in into more or less pure alcohol before we can then turn it into gin so the first um still where we will do what we call a wash distillation we will um, turn our liquid, which is nine percent alcohol, into um, what we call low wines, which is about thirty-five percent uh, alcohol.
1: So what's going on that's st- that that's still there is is that basically um, you're evaporating this 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 beery uh, stuff, which has already got some yeast in it, and and that that sort of steam is going up there. It's then going along that that horizontal pipe, and then it's recreating itself condensing back into into a liquid so if I- effectively what you're doing is you're you're drawing off uh, that
0: alcohol as it goes along exactly i mean that's distillation you're you're really um distilling um a liquid um down to its to its core component the the ethanol uh, evaporates first or vaporizes first um it will it will be purified as it moves along these amazing copper Uh, copper pipes um, and and it will and it will condense and at each time it goes through one of those distillation processes you will get more and more um, a higher percentage of that liquid will be alcohol.
1: So then that gets collected and then we get into this huge big chimney like thing which I I believe is called Joyce Um, and again what you're doing then is it's going through these different chambers it's going higher up and higher up And essentially, your alcohol is getting purer and also is getting stronger.
0: Exactly. Call it a a neutral grain column tower. As it it begins its journey, it's at 35%. Inside our 10-metre-tall copper tower, there are 40 copper sieve plates, and... The alcohol will vaporise, it will meet one of those copper sieve plates and it will condense and then it will vaporise again and move on to the next copper sieve plate and that will happen 40 times and when it reaches the top of that column it will be 96.4% uh, alcohol.
1: 96.4%? Oh, that would kill you.
0: <laughs> it, it really would. In fact, in the industry that is what qualifies as pure alcohol so pure ethanol another name for it is neutral grain spirit colorless odorless and flavorless
1: so after that you're obviously going to add the botanicals but but the real point of this Stephen, and and for me it's why um copper rivet distilleries is is so important um here in kent is is that actually you don't buy in that neutral spirit which a lot of people do and then they they have their process for adding botanicals and getting their flavors you have actually gone literally from the farm in Kent all the way through and, and taking control of the whole process and we haven't even added the botanicals yet.
0: No, that's right. If you imagine there are, hun- as we all know, hundreds and hundreds of gins but with, with the exception of I think it's now about 10 of us in the entire United Kingdom, all of those gins start life as a, a pure alcohol which has been bought from a wholesaler and almost all of that is imported from overseas.
1: So Stephen's just taken me into, um, what well looks like a laboratory that I'm in here at the moment. And I'm joined by Abhishek Barnek. Now, I believe that you are the, are the sort of the, the wizard, I suppose, of, of copper rivet distillery, where you're the one who takes this spirit we've been talking about and adds botanicals.
3: So, yeah, creating a recipe is quite a complex process, and it took me almost a year to do it. Wow. F- Forty trials as well in it. I, do, I, I had to take the uh, approach of how a perfumist start with a base note and the mid note and what we want as a top note of juniper, lemon peel and coriander. Then I did the mid note that will carry you through and then I created actually the base note uh, which had uh, the roots which actually hold the top note and the mid note together. So we have got the orris root uh, then also have got Angelica root which uh, adds a little more sweetness and uh, and also I've got the orange peel. Very little to to make the citrus uh, triangle, if you think, it's from juniper, lemon peel, and orange peel. It's a beautiful triangle of flavors that it creates. Yeah. Thank you so much, Abby. that's fantastic.
1: I really enjoyed that, I, um, it's fascinating, and I, and I think that's where the really creative bit comes in. Uh, uh, I suppose you could say that the rest is science and, and getting that absolutely right and the quality control and the consistency but that's where you get the magical bit is when you, you, you work out how to blend all those, all those botanicals together. Now Stephen if somebody wants to come and see this amazing place um, based in Chatham Dockyard um, w- w- what do you offer here? You offer tastings and, and tours and stuff?
0: Yeah we do, we, we offer uh, a really really amazing if I may say uh, tour experience um, so you can obviously experience this incredible building. We go through the whole process uh, in person. Uh, there is a spirit tasting. And then as part of the ticket price, there's also a complimentary gin and tonic in our, um, in our wonderful bar and restaurant at the end of it. Uh, thank you so much, Stephen.
1: That's amazing. I didn't realise that most of our gin makers just buy the, the, the grain spirit in. Um and, and that can just come from anywhere and presumably it's pretty cheap because it's just tasteless and, and smell of anything. But these guys actually make their own base spirit. That is quite unusual, isn't it? It's very unusual in Britain. I
2: think there's maybe ten distillers who actually do that. But yeah, most, most distillers are actually called rectifiers. So they're they are distilling what has already been distilled. They are redistilling it and they're adding the botanicals for their recipe.
1: And for me, because they're doing that, I feel after I came away from there I felt much more loyal to them I'm thinking well if you're doing that right from the start and we're using local grain and it's still in Kent and there's only seven miles you know I just feel like I should you know I should be a loyal customer because of that so I know you've written books on gin um so can you just tell me a little bit about the background of gin uh, you know in your opinion why do you think it's exploded uh, so much and then can you take me through these five Kent gins that we can we can taste but a little bit of the history. I always uh, think it's Dutch.
2: Yes, I, I wrote of. a book. Uh, one of my most recent books is called The Philosophy of Gin, which is a, a short history of gin. We think it's a Dutch drink, but gin wasn't invented. It evolved from a juniper-based spiritous drink, as they would say. The first written evidence is in the 11th century in a monastery in Italy. Now, all spirited drinks, so any distilled alcohol originally was a delivery method for medicinal herbs and spices. Juniper being one of them, juniper has a lot of um, health benefits and it's been used as a, as a medicine for thousands of years. So basically what we now call gin evolved from this, this juniper flavoured drink spirit. And it came to England because it is very associated with England. I won't say Scotland and Wales, very much an English drink because in 1688 the, glorious revolution, depending on your politics, you may call it that or not. (laughs) But um, William of Orange, who was a, a, a Dutch prince, came and took the throne as William III, William and Mary. Their national drink was something called Yeneva, which is a similar drink to gin. And it's where the word gin comes from, actually. It's spelt G E N E V R. So an English person might call it Geneva, and in fact, the first G- or nick- Geneva, no, Geneva. Mm. The first nickname for gin was Madame Geneva, so this is where the word gin comes from. So gin, as we know it now, evolved from this rather malty juniper flavored drink called Geneva, which probably had caraway seeds in as well. So it was an evolution, but it became very much associated with England.
1: So what you're saying is that actually, although though it had uh, roots somewhere else, that the, 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 the what we have now as gin is distinctly I'm going to say the word British, uh, because it, it it was complete, it's completely different in in its evolution, and, and therefore, actually, a Dutch person wouldn't have recognised that probably as, as their own drink. No, uh, then they would. So they'd see the, it as a cousin, but yes, not exactly. as their exactly. neighbour, their
2: national drink. Yep. And then England or Britain, having a navy, spread the the love of this gin around the world. Why did ships carry alcoholic drinks? Well, because it was medicine. It was also a painkiller. It was a sterilant, so it had dual uses. And then it became a little treat for the sailors.
1: It's a bit like cough medicine, I would say. You know, you go and buy cough medicine, and it's got this this sort of horrible taste to it, actually. But 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 the liquid part of it is 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 a is a sort of vessel, if you like, for for, for the the medicinal uh, things. So that's what alcohol was then. Alcohol was this this sort of um way of getting these these we now call them botanicals but they'd be herbs and spices and all sorts of things that that you know were medicinal um so it was very much seen as medicinal a drink yes an
2: alcoholic drink yeah oh yes the the spirits were because the those medicinal herbs and spices wouldn't dissolve in water but they would dissolve in alcohol ah uh, uh, no that makes sense yeah I and see. you
1: know even now I mean, I would, they d- wouldn't transfer into water would they they just stay there yes whereas with alcohol they'd they
2: actually sold into the alcohol. Oh, okay. So the alcohol yeah. was a delivery method for that medicine. And um, this phrase, just what the doctor ordered, you know, it does have roots in truth because mm.
1: it was um, a medicine. Obviously in moderation and when you're ill. Let's taste the copper rivet because when I was with Stephen, we didn't actually taste that. Now, listening to Abby, he was talking about the, the botanicals that, that he put in there. And he says that he deliberately tried to make a, a citrus type. Uh, gin and um if i remember he also they've obviously got their own neutral grain spirit which is amazing he's got coriander he's got a tiny bit of orange peel abby's uh, uh, of, of indian extraction so he was quite keen to have cardamom he loved cardamom and then we've got angelica root and orris root and grains of Para- paradise if i'm tasting a, a gin in in your world um i wouldn't have tonic with it would i no, you want
2: to taste it on its oh, no. own, just the neat oh, no. spirit. So right. there's yours there. Uh, I've right, just poured a you. drop in. Cheers. Uh, cheers. The, just to, to say that the legal definition of gin is uh, that the predominant flavour comes from juniper.
1: So uh, and it's not allowed to be called gin if it doesn't have juniper in it? No. It. OK.
2: So well, I'm smelling. It's very perfumed, isn't it? But you do smell the lemon on the nose
1: well. vanilla
2: And also some, you can get the spice, some very subtle spice in there as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can, See, actually
2: do, I can actually smell the cardamom. Quite often when you smell gin or any spirit, actually, you get that real hit of alcohol on your nose and you're not getting it with that. That's a really good gin because you're not getting that intense just, burn. Yeah. You're just getting those lovely
1: aromatics. Now, I don't think I've ever had neat gin before. I've had the tiniest taste that is very good, isn't indeed. it? Gorgeous. What you get there, it's really complex. That gin is because you get that lemon, but you also get that spice. The cardam- cardamom comes through really well, doesn't spice it? Spice is making my uh, yeah the inside of my mouth tingle a bit, and that's not the alcohol; that's the spice actually. Mm. Mm. But um, really smooth, and to me, a good gin that you can sip like
2: this and not go <gasps> like that. That's the sign of a good. <laughs> I wish gin. you can see and her that, face,
1: listeners, while she's <laughs> doing
2: that. And that um. is is it. Now, it smells lovely, doesn't it? Now, the juniper I, isn't massively dominant in hit, No.
1: Now, I thought that, that would literally knock me over by, by drinking a 40% something. Um, uh, but actually, that is really nice. Mm. Oh, I love the way that cardamom comes through. It is gorgeous. Mm. And, and
2: so, you'd have tonic with that? Well, I like gin on its own. I like it over ice. And you need lots and lots of ice, by the way, if you're drinking any cocktail. Now, it seems... Counterintuitive that you put lots of ice. You think, oh, isn't that going to melt? No. If you put one or two cubes in, it will melt. Right. But if you put lots of cubes of ice in, it doesn't melt. It keeps the the cold and it stops it melting. So your drink doesn't get diluted, which is the important thing. I oh, never knew that. So make sure it's ice cold. Yes, and um, I'm not so keen on tonic actually. I think tonic affects the flavour too much. And Shall we move on to the next one? Yes. Okay. No. So what else have you got for us? Well, we've got. The second gin is I can't believe how good that was. know gin. It smells mm. more junipery, doesn't it? So the juniper is much more apparent on this. Not gin. getting a big hit of alcohol though in, in no, the smell. Again. It's that it's that smoothness, and I've it just must, taken a sip. And it must it's not be that these burning. are all
1: brilliantly made.
2: Oh. Completely different. So different. So much more ginny as we think. If you think yeah. of gin as a, a real juniper drink, then that really that's juniper. got a lot more juniper in that. Oh, that's just made me
1: shudder. Mm. <laughs> Not in a horrible way. I'm but just going
2: to uh, try it with some tonic, actually, and see what the du- that does. Now, tonic dilutes it. Thank you. But it also... But you don't get... Gin plus all those botanicals, I think, when you add tonic to it.
1: Yeah, this knocked a lot of the botanicals out for me. Mm. Uh, and therefore, I can still taste a bit of lavender, I think. Mm. But um, completely different with tonic. That's nice with tonic. Mm. I'm just going to, can I just go back to Copper River? Yes, and yeah, um, Should we try that little bit of tonic? Yeah, because good idea. I, I actually would drink that on its own with some ice now, now you mentioned it. Um, one of the things they recommend is a, a little tiny slice of grapefruit in theirs. You can imagine that goes quite nicely.
2: Yes, that'll enhance the um, citrus botanicals as well. Now, that's
1: really changed it, hasn't it, having tonic in it? You're I missing so much of the clever the, stuff.
2: The clever stuff, but I think that that tonic really enhances that spicy cardamom. It does. Cardamom's quite a challenging flavour, I think, and aroma mm-hmm. for some people. So it has to be done just right. That is just right. Right. And I like the, the taste of cardamom when it's subtle, and that is so subtle. I really like that. I'd have a gin and tonic with that, actually. I would, because I, lo- I love the way Popper it's just spiked it. that.
1: Copper it and yeah. we're using um, Schweppes. Please don't use tonic that has got uh, that is low-calorie tonic, because all your taste is the horrible... Uh. Uh, what do you call it artificial sugar stuff mm. so please don't um and to be honest if you're not using much tonic it's not that fattening anyway so don't worry about the fattening aspect
2: and also um, the, the the alcohol has lots of calories so
1: yeah don't you worry. Know, forget about it um <laughs> do you use flavored tonics i mean for me there's no point in using flavored tonics unless you've got a really rubbish gin because you're just adding a whole load of other flavors that you don't know if it's going to go with the botanicals
2: yes i i I like the taste of the gin, so I prefer just to taste the spirit yeah. and to get all that complexity. I keep using mm. that word. So, no, I'm, I'm not big on flavoured uh, flavored tonics.
1: Next one up. So, um, Anno, uh, uh, I'm okay with yeah, that, I I, but I, was... I actually, it slightly pales for me uh, in terms of, of the um, copper rivet, I okay. think. What should we do next? I think we should try the George Bishop. Oh, yes. We? Now, this is a a lovely uh, 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 a bunch of people at the Maidstone uh, Distillery. And the, this is their London Dry Gin. And they use pure Kentish water. And they have 15 botanicals, um, including, obviously, juniper, coriander, three different citrus peels, chamomile. They've got cardamom as well. And telly, cherry, pepper and cinnamon. So I'm guessing this one's going to be... You know, quite spicy. The
2: juniper is dominant, but then the second um, flavour that comes through is the citrus. You do get some spice as well. Oh, see, I like that as well. But I would say that was if you were to describe a gin, you would never describe a gin as junipery because it is juniper. That's a given. Yeah. yeah. I would describe that as a citrusy sort of gin, whereas the copper rivet, I would say that tends more towards the spicy. Definitely.
1: Now, I think that is stunning with the tonic. It really brings it out for me. Okay, I've
2: not had it yet, so I'm just going to add the tonic.
1: I think that is absolutely gorgeous with tonic because I think there's that slight peppery... about the citrus, I would say. She's too busy drinking, listeners. Mm,
2: I think um, that really enhances the citrus, actually, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It it? brings it out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you like citrus, mm, so smooth. That's some great aftertaste going mm. on as well. Mm. That's my favourite with tonic. On its own, definitely Copper River. I'm I'm such a fan of Copper mm-hmm. River now. Next one, right? We're going for a bathtub gin now. Oh, so yes. the so actual
2: brand is called Bathtub.
1: It's Abel uh, Orange peel, juniper, coriander, cassia, cloves, cardamom. Again, quite I would imagine quite bold and spicy. Mm. The spice really comes through on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. I really don't like that. Okay, what what is it that I think it's too spicy? Okay, uh, it, it's uh, but it's the it's bitter spice, I think. Bit too much for me. Not saying it's not well made and beautiful, but I think if you love that spicy hit, uh, that's for you, not for me. Now, final one. Now, I thought this was quite interesting. Um, Green Sand Ridge, and this is their Salt Marsh Gin, which I thought was quite interesting. So, th- they've taken in inspiration from the salt marshes of Whitstable. It's supposed to be a very savoury gin. It What's it taste like? Well, it certainly is on the nose. On the
2: palate, the juniper and a little oh, citrus comes through. Yeah. It smells a little through. bit like the sea on the it nose. It does. It smells salty,
1: doesn't it? And mm. Like seaweed. You're In, in a nice that. way. In a really nice way. Mm. Now, that's, that. um, mm. that's a bigger hit of alcohol. This is In a, a way, part. I would I say that's this. slightly less sophisticated.
2: 46%. Now, if we were drinking a navy-strength gin, that's 57%, and that is a legal... Definition of gin and it's called Navy because it used to, it was the the gin that was sold to the Royal Navy, the British Royal Navy, and they needed it to be a certain level of alcohol to make sure they weren't being ripped off. Right. So they needed it to be 100 proof, which translates into alcohol by volume, ABV, as 57%. Right. Because they didn't want to be ripped off and buy anything that had been diluted down. So they knew that it would be, if it would light gunpowder, <laughs> that was the test. Yes. Pour a little gin onto the gunpowder, try and light the gunpowder. If it lit, it, it was it was Maybe strength. And that's the,
1: word, the wow. word proof comes like, oh, it's proof that it'll light the gunpowder. Ah, so I um, didn't know that. Good story. A bit too much of a hit for me. It'll be interesting to see what it's like with tonic. Now, to me, that's... You get the hit up front and then the finish is quite quick.
2: It goes. It's got a very yeah, It's, almost like it's not a linger.
1: It's like when you have mustard or something. It mm. h- hits your nose then it goes Nice with tonic though You get more of the gin, yeah.
2: don't you? Because it, it has been slightly diluted but because it's got a bigger flavour. You, you get more of the gin character, if that makes sense even though you've slightly diluted it Well, well I can't believe how different they all are. Now aren't they? And tasting them together like that and tasting them neat and then tasting them with the it's fascinating. It's really yeah. fascinating, and they yeah. smell different. They've got different mouthfeels. They've got different impact as you you taste them. Some make us breathe in a bit and go ooh, and some just go
1: ooh. So um, we come to the end of the program again, oh, far way. too quickly. Um, so if you're if you're buying gin, uh, um, we've all got our own taste profile, and these are all beautifully made, and they're all from Kent. Um, what sort of words you look out for? And I think I've worked out that I quite like a citrus. Edge for me, so so if I was looking at botanicals, I'd think, oh, if they've got lemon peel and orange, that would probably suit me. I do like a little bit of spice in there, um, and then I think I've worked out that if you like spicy, you know, see if it's got any of the spices you would so- associate probably with Indian food. Actually, <laughs> um, is there anything I should be looking for that would help you to dis- help you work out before you spend thirty or forty pounds what would suit your your taste profile? Usually the
2: brand owners or the the distiller will describe it on the label what the botanicals are and it'll be an order of their um priorities So always juniper first and then if it's a citrus dominant one it'll be citrus next da, 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 da. but just to answer your question really quickly look at the order of preference so on, that will on give the label you the, that will the tell proportion you the dominance,
1: exactly the dominance Perfect. of the flavor well um i think I think we'd encourage anybody who's listening to this programme, wherever they are in the country, you know, buy your local one. there'll be There's loads of amazing gin makers out there at the moment. So, you know, if you're in Cumbria or, or Wales or whatever, you know, seek out your local ones because there's some really stunning makers, aren't there now? Uh, yes. Because it's so competitive, they can't survive if, if, if it's rubbish. Um, no. So, so once we're tasting Kent, really... Copper Rivet, I, I like a lot. That's that's I think that is absolutely my favourite, and I think the George Bishop, um, with tonic, that's that's definitely my my choice. I think if it was a really sunny afternoon, loads of ice, very good indeed.
2: Your favourites? I would say the Copper Rivet because um, I'm going to be drinking them neat, and I did like the I like the Maidstone Distillery as well, but I also liked the the Ano. I like the anno one.
1: Yeah, I think um, yes, I think I quite like the anno. So um, we'll obviously put details of all these um, on the website. Thank you very much, Jane. I I do a lot of food and drink writing and broadcasting, as you know, but I've still learned something today. I
2: glad every yes. day's a school day thank you
1: <laughs> so you've been listening to the food talk show uh, syndicated to radio stations across the uk and further afield you can get us on audible spotify podbean itunes and the podcast app on your phone thank you jane it's so nice having somebody who's, who's got that knowledge I like learning Always stuff. Always a pleasure. Yes. And don't forget, what's your book called? If you're The interested? Philosophy of Gin, published by the British Library. There you go. Philosophy of Gin, if you want to know more. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about bread. Oh, I love bread. I know too. I do too. How to make it, how to bake it. Oh, uh, How to eat it. How to eat it. We already know that. We do know that. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Don't forget all of our podcasts, hundreds of them going back a good few years. Foodtalk.co.uk. Hope you have a good week. Bye-bye.